you're being seated, Mary Beth continues to play. Um, I want to throw a couple of things out there and just want to ask us to pray. Um, I haven't gotten a, an update from yesterday. Um, Paul, Joy, did, have y'all heard from Dave or Sue? Do we know anything? Okay, they were waiting to hear today from the surgeon. Is that the same information that you have, Paul? Okay. So we're still praying for Sue Harvey and uh, her healing of her eyes. Um, also, I uh, have not gotten an update, although we were praying yesterday for Caleb and Mary Helen Bostwick. I don't know if you remember them or not. Um, uh, young couple uh, who had been coming here for a while, and then God uh, called them to Jacksonville, where Mary Helen is uh, taking classes for uh, sign language, ASL, and, and interpretation. Uh, and she is pregnant with twins, uh, and they are having uh, they're having some challenges with one of the babies in particular. Uh, they've been bar- they've been back and forth and back and forth uh, to the hospitals, and so it uh, looked like yesterday they were going to be doing a C-section uh, today at some point in time. They were trying not to, but it looks like they were going to go ahead and have to, and I've not gotten an update from them as well. So uh, I just want to ask us to pray for those two. In pr- I know that there are more, and we'll have time to share more, but those two in particular uh, come to mind. So let's pray. And then uh, we'll dive in. Uh, So, Father, we do just pause for just a moment, knowing that there are uh, a plethora of of other requests, other uh, things that are on our hearts uh, that we will bring to you in just a few moments. Um, But specifically, Lord, we just desire to uh, pray for those who we told we would pray for. Father, as I lift up Sue and her eye, Lord, I pray for a miraculous healing. Church, do you agree with that? So, Lord, we bring Sue to you. We know that you use doctors and we know that you use nurses, but we are asking you to heal our friend. And Lord, uh, we're coming to you on behalf of... Um, Caleb and Mary Helen and these two little boys. Lord, I don't know where they are in the journey right now, whether they're in the hospital, whether she's in labor or what's going on, but Lord, we we pray for your healing over this, 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 this little life, that you would protect uh, them, that you would protect mama. Lord, the, also that you would comfort the hearts of these parents-to-be. Lord, I just I know that they're, uh, they're they've got game faces on, and there's there's a, a, a braveness, a boldness there. But um, like any of us, I'm sure that inside there is some anxiety and there's some worry. I pray, um, Lord, that you would give Caleb and Mary Helen your peace that transcends even our ability to understand how we could possibly have it. Do you agree with that? Lord, I just pray that you would safely usher in these two little lives. Father, I don't, I don't know their names, but Lord, I, I would even venture to pray for the day where these two little boys would accept you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would ordain that day even now. Lord, I know it would be the, the passionate desire of Caleb and Mary Helen's heart to be a part of that day. Father, there are other needs in this room. Again, we'll share those in a moment, but I just, uh, 
I just want to lift up those, knowing that, Lord, these are the things that we're asking. These are the desires of our heart, but knowing that your plan and your purpose is even greater than what we could have asked or imagined. And, and so, Father, we will give you glory, whatever you decide to, because we pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, uh, start off with a question. So you want to get around maybe, maybe into groups of three or four so you can share it with, uh, but here's your question for tonight. If someone else described you to their friends, what are the top five things that they would mention? If someone described you to their friends, what are the top five things that they would talk about? In other words, where, where do you spend your time? What do you enjoy doing? How would people describe you to the people that they know and love? On your mark, you want to find about two or three people to get in a group with so you can talk about people behind their backs. I'm just kidding. On your mark, get set, go. Share it with somebody around you.
about another minute. So how many of you stopped at physical descriptors? Like you're, st- you're, just, you're just actually describing the, the, the height, the look. Uh, you, you move past that and you start getting into what the person identifies with, uh, what they, how they spend their time. You know, a lot of people have said it before, if you want to see where, what somebody prioritizes, you need to look at two things, uh, their calendar and their checkbooks. Nobody keeps a checkbook anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, well, some people do. I mean, I do because... I'm ancient, but, um, but you know, we are, we're often described by the things that we give our time to, uh, the people that we spend our time with, the things that we enjoy uh, doing. I did a, a funeral not too long ago where I found myself, it was a funeral for the husband, but everything, everything we could talk about was, was, uh, was Ed and Martha. Was I mean, you couldn't talk about Ed without talking about Martha. Like I, I couldn't share anything because Ed was known with with Martha, uh, and so I, th- I think you know I think of the f- things that you might describe. Well, I don't, I don't want to know how you would describe me. Um, keep that to yourselves. Um, but you know I do think uh, you'd probably talk start talking about Julie, which is a lot more fun conversation to have. Uh, and so you know and things like that. But we we. We, un- we begin to identify with where we spend our time, with the passions of our heart, with the desires of our heart, uh, with what we, what we give our time and what we give our attention to. If you got your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's Bibles in the chairs all around you, so feel free to take uh, one of those. Um, while you're doing that, let me remind us, we, we're, some of the feedback that we're getting on Wednesday nights is during that 6 o'clock to 6.30 time as you're coming in, uh, that the, the requests are, are going too fast uh, for you to pray for all of them. Um, you're not necessarily intended to pray over all of them. Uh, you know, you go, if you're like me and you, you pray and you close your eyes for a moment and you come back up, you might miss one. All you got to do is wait a second, another one's coming around the corner. Uh, and so don't, don't worry about trying to catch them all. They'll, they'll all keep coming around uh, the corner. So just know, know that. Uh, so we're in Matthew chapter 6, or we're also in Luke chapter 11, uh, where we're looking at what is known as the model prayer. Um, it's, it's, it's this example that Christ has given us of how to pray. We don't necessarily have to pray these exact words, but his disciples came to him and, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and then he said, pray in this way or pray in this manner. And he said, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. I'm in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been talking about, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about understanding what his will is, understanding this idea of your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, I had a quote last week from Dr. Adrian Rogers. It said, prayer is the Holy Spirit finding a desire in the heart of the Father and putting that desire in our hearts to return it in the form of a request to him. Prayer is the Holy Spirit finding a desire in the heart of the Father And then putting that desire in our hearts to return it to him in the form of a request to him. I found another quote this week. Uh, I I couldn't find who said it, but he said it, or he or she said this. The prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven. Think about that for a second. The prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time this evening more like you than when we started. Because we've been in your presence, we've heard your voice, and we've been changed by your word. Lord, teach us to pray. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Last week, we started talking about God's will. We started with a list uh, that included uh, ideas that we can say with certainty are obviously his will. So the first on that list, uh, what we can know for certain is is God's will, is this idea of salvation. Uh, Men and women, boys and girls, repenting of their sin and placing their faith in and putting their lives under the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Read 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 verse 9 with me. Read out loud. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We say it like a joke all the time, but the Greek word for all, it's all. The Hebrew word for all, it's all. When, 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 when the authors use not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance, it's that same verbiage that Jesus uses in John chapter 3 when he's talking in, to Nicodemus, and he says, for God so loved the world. Anybody and everybody who has been created, the desire of the Father's heart is for them to come in, back into a relationship with him. That is an obvious part of God's will, of God's desire for us. Another obvious uh, part of God's will is is Christ-likeness, salvation, and then becoming like Christ. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Say this, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the same 
saints' inheritance in the light. If we had time, and this was a Sunday morning we were going to unpack, which we will actually starting on Easter Sunday next year, we'll be walking through the book of Colossians. If we were going to go verse by verse there, we would see that this, this passage in First Corinthians, in, in First Corinthians, in Colossians chapter 1, is all about Christ-likeness, becoming like Christ, taking on the mannerism, taking on the attitude, taking on the behavior, being able to act and react like Jesus would. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, which is another one of those verses that we looked at last week, it says, for this is God's will, that your sanctification would take place, that you're becoming like Christ. Even on this side of life, we would become like Christ. So when people look at us, they would see less and less. It's that, it's that prayer of, of John the Baptist that I pray every Sunday and every Wednesday, that I might decrease so that he might increase. The longer you know me, the less of me I hope you see. Over time, however long the Lord allows it, Julie and I want to retire here. Julie and I want to be here for as long as the Lord will have us. So in 20, 25, 30, when I am absolutely ancient and you are rolling me in for, and, and, and we're worshiping with somebody, I want you to see less and less of Jonathan and see that much more of Christ. I hope on a weekly basis you're experiencing that. That each and every week you are seeing less and less of me. And folks, I like me. I have to spend all day with me. I hope I like me. I take naps. That's how I get, I get used to it. But I don't, you don't need me. You don't need more of me in your life. You need more of Jesus. So obviously he wants us to, not to perish that we would be saved. Obviously, he wants us to become like Christ. And there are other obvious things that, that are part of God's will. Uh, evangelism. Uh, the Great Commission is not a suggestion, folks. The Great Commission is a command. He expects us. It's his will. It's his desire. How do we know? Because he desires that, all, that none would perish and that all would come into a relationship with him. How do they do that? They do that when we tell people. Missions. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He told the disciples where they would go. We are the disciples of this generation. So we are supposed to go and we're supposed to serve and we're, and we can, and we're supposed to love. We can add a number of items to the list of what is obvious. Things that are biblically supported. Things that are Holy Spirit filled. But like I mentioned last week when I talked about the college students that I used to speak with on a regular basis. Coach, you've probably experienced this as well. One of the number one questions that college students often ask is, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. And then we can talk about the obvious things, but then there are some not so obvious questions, not so obvious answers. Uh, we don't find them spelled out in scripture, but we still do have a Holy Spirit who speaks and who can only do that which is affirmed by God's, God's word. And hear that very, very clearly. If you hear the Holy Spirit speak and you're like, I'm not sure if it was my voice or if it was the Holy Spirit or if it was the enemy or if it was this or that. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to be affirmed by scripture. The Holy Spirit speaking is never going to contradict what God's word says. So if you hear the Holy Spirit's voice... Like, I'm, I'm 90% sure that that's the Holy Spirit. Go to God's word and see, see, and see if you can affirm it. 
and keep going back and forth until you know you can affirm it. Or if it seems to contradict scripture, you can automatically know it was the voice of the enemy. It was, it was your own temptations. It was whatever. It was not the Holy Spirit's voice. If it contradicts scripture, you can know that. So what is God's will for blank? What, what, what is God's will for? And you fill in that blank. So let me give you a couple of examples of things. What, what is God's will for this season while I'm in between jobs? What is God's will for, for my career? What is God's will for my, my marriage? What is God's will for, uh, what is God's will for my dating life? What is God's will for, for my children? What is God's will for their education? What is God's will for my education? What is God's will for, for this relationship or this friendship? Uh, what is God's will for, for this small group? What is God's will for, for, for my spouse? What is God's will for my next purchase? Uh, should I purchase that in the next vehicle? Should we purchase that house? Uh, when Julie and I were moving here, uh, the couple times, different times that Julie and I have moved, uh, we've not always done the best job of this, but this time we did a better job than others. Uh, we, we, we knew we were moving. We, we knew that God had called us, uh, and we, but, we, but we, we also knew that, that the market was just exploding here, and we didn't know what to do. We, had, we didn't have a fat clue what, what we were going to do. Everybody's like, you really need to live beachside. And I'm like, y'all need to think, rethink that. We're going to pray about that. And then we, and then so we, we, we had a home, uh, some snowbirds allowed us, the, they were part of uh, Jim Johnson's uh, Tuesday night group and they had a, they had a home uh, in, in Melbourne and they said, hey, we're not going to be back for until, you know, maybe November or December and you're, you're more than welcome to stay in our home until you figure out what you, what you, what you want to do. We didn't have to pray about that. That was just God. That was just God providing. And then we just began to pray. Okay, God, we need to find something that we can afford. We need to find something that's close to the church. We didn't want to live in Orlando, you know, things like that. Uh, we, we just we wanted to be able to get here and be a part of the community. And so we began to pray. God, what is God's? And, and, and think I'm using that as an example because nowhere in the Scripture did it give us the address of where we were going to live. We need to hear God's Holy Spirit and have it affirmed. And then God began to open doors. We began to, we began to talk and we live somewhere now. So. But that's not, those things are not always going to be in these pages in black and white. What's God's will for my finances? What's God's will for certain relationships in my family, certain relationships with my coworkers, certain relationships with my employer or my employees? What's God's will for my neighbors? So what I want to do before Stephen comes up here is I just want to give you five or six steps of how, how you can answer the, this question of, of what is God's will for my blank? So if you want to take out a pen, something to write with, and something to write on, I want to give you just five, five, six, what I think are simple steps. I'm going to ask you in your groups to look up a scripture, and then I'm going to give you a word. So this is step one. You're going to find it. It's Matthew chapter six, verses 31 through 33. So somebody in your group, look up Matthew chapter six, verses 30, and read out loud verses 31 through 33, and you, you guess what you think the first step is. So somebody read that verse, and then we'll go. On your mark, set, go.
All right, just based on those, those couple of verses, what would you say the first step to knowing what God's will is for something would be? Seek. You're not going to find it if you're not looking. Y'all are going for like, there's several of you went seek, and the other ones are like, okay, that can't be right. No, it's, it's just that simple. But what does it say to seek first? And we talked last week, what does the kingdom of God mean? It means his authority. So yes, Julie and I needed to be out searching for our new home, but we needed to be seeking God's will. We we needed him to be the homeowner. First thing is seek. Step two, look up John chapter 15. Somebody read verses one through eight. Yes, all eight, nine verses. Somebody read John chapter 15, verses one through eight. Read those out loud and you come up with step number two and then I'll give it to you. First step is seek. Now you're looking for step number two. What's step number two? Abide. First step is to seek first, and specifically seek first his kingdom. Seek first his authority. Make make him the authority over whatever it is that you know uh, you're, you're longing for, that you're looking for. The second step is literally just to spend time with him. Maybe it's about that, maybe it's not, but just to spend time in his, to remain in his presence, to remain uh, growing and consistent in, in relationship with him, whether it's about that specific topic or whether it's about just your relationship with him. The closer, 
the closer, the more time that I have spent with Julie, the more I know what her heart is, the more I know what she would choose, the more I know what she would desire. The same thing is with Jesus. As he's, if I, as I'm saying, I'm underneath his kingdom authority, and then I'm, I'm remaining with him, I'm abiding with him, I'm spending time with him, I'm spending time near him, and I'm, I'm developing, I'm, I'm getting to know his heart, and then I'm beginning to develop his heart. Step number three, somebody look up Matthew chapter 7, read verses 7 through 8. Somebody look up John chapter 14 and read uh, verses 12 through 14 and then come up with step number 3. And Mark said, go. Step number three, ask. I know that's not so profound. We're actually quite good at it. But James, I think it's James chapter four, verse two or three, says you have not because you ask not. It was actually in my study for next week's message, but one of it was uh, I think it was Dr. Wearsby who said the disservice is not or it was a disservice anyway it, the the disservice is not unanswered prayers the disservice is unoffered prayers and then it, and, and and it was just it was so profound is that we we don't we, we can go to God with big things and oftentimes we leave some of the small things you know we we hold them in. Or we think it's too big to go to God with, or it's too small to go with God with. And I'm thinking, how big is your God? We were, we were talking about something in one of the elders' meetings, and I was just really, really struggling. It was probably the budget. And, 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 and we, were, we were talking about, we were, we were going to cross a million dollars. We were going we to go to go to the church family, and, and we were going to say, we think the budget's over a million dollars. And, 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 and I was just struggling. And, and, and David Brock usually sits right here. And I went, David, what do you think? Cause I thought for sure he was struggling too. <laughs> he looked straight at me. Dave, are you in here? Or am I talking about you behind your back? Well, could you turn around? Um, and I looked at Dave and I just wanted him to affirm my struggle. <laughs> he looked straight at me. He goes, well, I know how big my God is. And I was like, oh, 
You have not because you ask not. Step number four, look up Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. First step is seek. Step two is remain, abide. Step three is ask. Step four, Mark chapter 11. Somebody read verses 22 through 24 and ask, then come up with step four. What's step four? Believe. Now, let's be really clear. I've said this before. We'll continue to say it. This is not a prosperity gospel church. We will never be a prosperity gospel church. We will never be a name it and claim it kind of people. Remember the first couple of steps. You put yourself under the kingdom authority. You abide, you, you spend enough time with him in his presence that, that his heart becomes your heart. You, 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 your, your desires morph into his desires. And then, and then, and then you, you ask. And then you believe that he's fully capable of it. You believe that if that's the desire that is on his heart, he is completely able to bring that to pass. And you, you, you pray it, believing it. Step number five, look up Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. We believed God had a home for us. We believed he could provide the finances for it. Step number five, Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Read those and come up with step number five. And Mark said, go.
So I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. Step five is not pray. All of this is in prayer. So what might step five be? Pray with Thanksgiving. (laughs) That was great. I told you it was the answer. Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. Um, and I think I can, I think I can, I think I can remember, I think I can, I think I can. Um, even before, while we were at the Overtons and we didn't quite know where we were going to live, I can remember having conversations with the girls about already being thankful for the home that God had chosen for us. Because we knew he didn't want us to be homeless. We knew he didn't want us living out of Julie's van. We knew he had a home. We didn't know if it was an apartment. We didn't know if it was going to be a rental. We didn't know if we were going to be homeowners. We didn't know if it was going to be a condo. We didn't know if it was going to be... But we knew that God had a home for us because he had called us here. And we were certain of that. And we were already thankful no matter how he chose to answer, we prayed with thanksgiving. We, we were thankful ahead of the answer. Wow. What, what, a, what an attitude adjustment going into the request. Step number six. We've, seek, we've seeked. We've sought. We've remained We've asked, we've believed, we are thankful. Step number six, if you'll look up Ephesians chapter three, start with verse 14 and then read through the first verse of chapter four. Start with chapter chapter three, verse 14, but read all the way through verse one and come up with with, uh, step number six. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14. Read through verse 1 of chapter 4. If the ladies could go ahead and start passing out those cards. Anybody want to take a guess at what step six is? Ah, that would have been a good one. Should have gone with that. (laughs) Just so you'd have the right answer. Anybody want to guess what step six might be? 
It's in, it's, it, my answer is in chapter 4, verse 1. Walk. Walk worthy. My translation says, live worthy. You seek. You, rem, you seek. You, 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 you place yourself under his authority. You seek his kingdom first. You remain. You abide in his presence. His heart, his desires become your heart, your desires. You ask. You go to him. You make the request. You make the petition. Uh, Ephesians tells us to come with all kinds of prayers and requests and petitions. We bring those into his presence. We bring those uh, in. The spirit takes us. We believe. We, under, we believe he's capable of fulfilling uh, his promises. We believe he's capable of fulfilling his desires, our desires. We pray with thankfulness, and then we live as if we believe the God of the universe that we serve. We live this life worthy of the calling he has placed on our lives. We live as the examples we ought to be of him, of his goodness, of, his, of who he is, of his character. We live that way, and that's a, that's a, that goes back to the, the Thessalonians' idea of pray without ceasing. We live our prayers. I know that none of that was profound. But how often do we not do the simple? And we find profoundness in simplicity.